Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome once again to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and My Time Capsule is a podcast where people tell me the five things from their life they wish they had in a time capsule. They pick four things that they cherish and one thing that they wish they could bury and forget. And my guest in this episode is the stand-up comedian Harriet Kemsley, who began stand-up in 2011 and within months won the Funny's Funny contest. In 2012, she won the Bath Comedy Festival New Act of the Year and Brighton Comedy Festival New Act of the Year and was named by Rod Gilbert as one of the 10 must-see comics. Since then, Harriet has appeared on Sam Delaney's News Thing, Roast Battle, 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, Hypothetical, Guessable, and she presents the podcast Why Is Harriet Crying? with Sunil Patel. As an actress, Harriet has appeared in the film Bonobo and on TV in Damned and Dr. Foster. She's also provided the voice of Nashandra, the final boss of the video game Dark Souls 2. She and her husband, but at the time fiancé, Bobby Mayer, appeared on a Viceland reality show in 2017, entitled Bobby and Harriet Get Married, featuring their wedding, officiated by comedian Ramesh Ranganathan. Her hour-long special, Woman Child, is available on 800 Pound Gorilla, which fundamentally means it's online, and she's touring this spring. Finally, you might like to know that Harriet is allergic to raw fruit, raw vegetables, and nuts. She has a phobia of bananas, has dyspraxia, and is a vegan. Now, come on, that's got to be enough to make you want to listen to this very funny woman. Good, because here she is. Oh, by the way, this episode was recorded before Christmas 2023, which is why we talk about it as if it's in the future. Because it was. Anyway, have fun. Good. 
and then it's happening. <laughs> We're doing it. <laughs> hey, well, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Bye. It took me so long to, to get logged on. No, we, have, we have to end now, unfortunately. You make me laugh so much. You know, I watched Woman Child. <laughs> oh, God, it's funny. That's so kind. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. It's so weird to think of people watching it. Um, you're just so yeah. used to doing it in person and watching people's reactions that uh that's the whole point isn't it you record it and then <laughs> that's what's gonna happen i think that happens in all performance you know you do it because you sort of want to do it and then when people afterwards say oh i saw it you go oh yeah oh god yeah yeah you were there or yeah. oh yeah it was recorded it was on the telly i always forget that i completely forget about it people say oh i saw you in a thing the other night i say did you what yeah, I'm I'm exactly the same. I'm exactly the same. You just do it. And then I think you kind of have to put it out of your mind. I mean, you can't live in a world where you're always, you're always in it, you know, you, you have to just get on, you have to make the tea, you know. Yes, I think if I was the man who walked down the street, excuse me, have you seen me on the telly? <laughs> yeah, Hello? yeah. You'd be arrested. Yeah, nobody, nobody wants that, yeah. But also, it's a, it's a performance, isn't it? It's not really you. It's the person that you become when you do that stand-up routine. Yeah, exactly. I always, um, I, it, it took me a long time to kind of work out what it was. And I think the way that I I see it is it's, I don't know, you're never 100% sure, but I, I think it's kind of the best version of me. It's kind of me when I'm having the most fun, I guess. And yeah. sometimes in life you feel like you have to be very polite or behave a certain way whereas I kind of that's kind of how I see what it is being on on stage that persona it is me it's just me when I could really I can be the most myself yeah unreserved yes yeah absolutely yeah it's nice and you were born in Canterbury. I'm down in Tunbridge Wells, oh, so really? not that far. I went to Tunbridge Wells um recently actually with my sister. It's a very nice, very nice place. Yeah. We tried to find a bar after 10:30 p.m. though, and that that's not an option <laughs> I think in the week. No, picture no. and piano, which is the last place you want to go. Okay, okay. <laughs> I always think that a place that has bouncers on the door at three o'clock in the afternoon is not a place you want to go to. I think that's very wise thinking. I think that's going to get you far in life, believing that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I was going to ask you, your podcast, Why is Harriet Crying? Yeah. I think the question should be, why doesn't Sunil cry? Thank you so much. I um, I completely, I completely agree. That kind of became what the podcast became about um, because mm. I, I'm very emotional, so it was a different reason every fortnight. Um, and then for Sunil, <laughs> it was um, that he hadn't cried since he was eight and tripped over a dog. Um, and um, so it was all about trying to get him to feel something and also kind of realising that actually maybe he's... Um, Either he's really repressed everything or he's one of the most emotionally kind of astute people out there, maybe. Maybe. Maybe that is the way to look at the world and go, do you know what? It's not that important. Yeah. Very little yeah, is. Yeah, I think I think that's what he's good at. Like To me, suddenly everything can become completely overwhelming. Um, whereas uh, if you just, he really is very good at taking things in his stride, which is a characteristic mm -hmm. that I aspire to. Yeah, I admire that in other people because I am a person who easily, I'm easily overwhelmed by the things I have to do. Yeah. I'd look at a list ahead of me of things I have to do. And actually, if I just do them, they're fine. It's easy. I have plenty of time. That's it. It's so, I, I, 
it's so sad, isn't it? How quickly life can just become kind of, I have to do these tasks and then all the tasks are done. It's the end of the day. And you just think, oh, but actually they were all fine. It's all so psychological. You just have to try and get ahead of your own brain. It's- yeah, yeah. Also that strange thing, which I'm sure a lot of people do, but I do it particularly, is that I have something to do and rather than doing it, I worry about yes. it. Yes. I can waste hours doing that. Oh, me too. I can build something up so much in my head and then it's five <laughs> minutes in and then you're like, oh, it's, it's, it's actually done. This The actual doing of it took a, a tenth of the time of the worrying about it. <laughs> yes. So we're going to talk, Harriet, about five things from your life that you'd like to put into a time capsule. Yes. So have you had a chance to think about them? I have, yes. I um, I had a little, a little think I was a bit kind of thinking about the idea of like, what is the the time capsule? I guess you can put concepts into it as well as actual things. Yes. So um, I, I was thinking of uh, things that uh, that I have. I guess one of the things from my life right now that I would put in to kind of think about the last kind of decade of my life is um, my Casio watch. It's you can get them online for like 20 quid, I think. And I have to wear it every night when I'm on stage so I can time my um, my sets. I think a lot of comics get um, a light from the uh, from the back of the room where the uh, the tech will let them know when they're nearing the end of the set. But then I'm, I get so confused. I, I'll come off early because someone will be taking a picture or something. And then I'll come off and be like, <laughs> that went so quickly. And they're like, you've underrun by 10 minutes. Um, and so I have to have this. Um, somebody checking their phone. Yeah, exactly. Then I'm like, oh, God, sorry, I'll, I'll leave, shall I? And so having this watch, it's, I, I don't know if I'm particularly subtle when I look at it. I, I think definitely sometimes if you're maybe a bit fed up, you can be a bit like, <sighs> that kind of feeling when you see it. But you try and kind of just like glance, just have a little like side glance at it so you know where you are. Mm-hmm. And and generally you've got kind of your set and you know what you're doing, but sometimes you're suddenly further ahead or you're, if you've got talking to somebody or um, you're behind. And so I just always have to have it when, I, when I'm on stage. And have you ever thought of building that into the act then? You know, because I have to say, whenever I see a stand-up comedian and they look at their watch, the sense that you get to a degree is, are they hoping it's over? I guess, yeah, that's a really good idea because I always try and pretend that I'm not looking, but then <laughs> I'm not very good at pretending, so it's very obvious. So I should I should probably... Um, how have I never thought of that? What you've just said yeah. is is quite is good. I, li- I like the idea that you look at it and go, do you know what? I always look at that watch, and this is the watch I've had on stage every night, and I always mm. look at it. And then do the thing about lights at the back of the audience. Yeah. Uh, I think it's funny. Let them know. Yeah, I, that's a good idea because I, I always think with comedy it's sometimes – they can tell when you're not being authentic, when something is, you can tell a story and you can exaggerate it, but sometimes if something's not completely rooted in truth, they won't go with you. You could say, I always look at it when there's about three minutes left, and then you could talk about why you look at it and go, and time. Yeah. Thank you very <laughs> there much. There we go. Okay. <laughs> I filled my last three minutes just talking about the watch, actually, so now I can go. <laughs> I tried for a bit. I got um, one of those Apple watches. My mum got it for me. It's really nice, but um, it doesn't have those kind of hard 
buttons and so it would be too tricky and then the screen kind of goes into a screensaver and I'd be on and I'd be like oh my god like these I just need the most <laughs> basic tools to kind of uh to get me through <laughs> then you do spend that thing of saying what is the time I, so I know what my heart rate is <laughs> yeah, okay. exactly. it's all right I yeah, did yeah, sleep yeah. properly last night okay fine <laughs> I don't need to pay yes. for the bus please I just need the time <laughs> I've been offered those would I like one of those sort of as a present Christmas and I don't really want one because I all the people I know have got one spend the whole time going, oh, I've got a text message or <laughs> oh, somebody's emailed. Yeah, me. you don't want them to get to you so quickly, you know. There's something about being able to just walk away from a phone, I think, is, is very healthy. You don't want to be... Because soon we're all going to have those glasses, aren't we? And then people are going to be messaging us and they're <laughs> going to be in our eyes. That There's no escape. <laughs> I like to compartmentalise things. So I say, OK, I'm going to go and check my emails and deal with them. I think that's incredibly healthy. I think that is the that is the goal. I um, do not live in that <laughs> world. That is exactly <laughs> how I, would, I aspire to live. Instead, I just live in chaos where I am very good at, I kind of reply to things very quickly because I, I think there's two different types of people. And I used to be somebody with the 20,000 unread emails. And then one day I was like, no more. And I went through and I just cleared it all out and now I have to have it on zero otherwise I feel very stressed and that's not a way to live because you're just you're letting somebody else kind of dictate how you feel when just because they're they've emailed you asking for something doesn't mean you need to reply immediately um so yeah lots to work on basically uh we're discovering mm-hmm. we're discovering from this chat <laughs> oh my word <laughs> we suddenly realize how disorganized yes, our lives are yes. yeah but a Casio watch it's a classic surely yeah I've had some of them for, I've got three different, I mean, this is the thing with it as well. I've got three of them, um, one grey one, one pink one and one blue one. I think the grey one I've had for like 10 years and I've accidentally got them in water. They all um, have this alarm setting though, where they um, they go off once a day at a random time. And <laughs> wherever I am, if I'm in their house and all three of them are there at some point in the house, three times a day, the alarms will go off and people have tried to show me how to stop it. And I just, I can't retain the information. They get so annoyed and they go, hey, all you have to do is this, but I just, I can't retain it. And so it will just, it resets as it knocks against my, uh, my wrist and then they'll change it, but then it will just start again. And, is that um, an element of the dyspraxia? I, I, I think it might be a, a real ele- element of the dyspraxia. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Things that seem very simple for other people just, and you, it's, it's, it's all so fine. It's, it's looking for the battles, you know, this is just, I, I can accept that three times a day alarms are going to go off. Yeah. That's just it. Yes. There shouldn't really be a reason why that would annoy you. You know, you sort of go, well, I, I don't know how to turn it off. And there you are. That's there it. We are. It annoys other people so much. And I, I do hate alarms. I'm not good with loud noises or things, but it's very gentle and it just goes on for 20 seconds, you know, and then, um, <laughs> and every time I think I must learn, I must learn how to do that. And then it just, it never happens. Well, it's a good thing to do in life, I think, because you can drive yourself mad with worrying about what other people are doing. Yeah. They don't follow your patterns, as it were. I, for years, every time I walk past my wife's chest of drawers, I close the top drawer because she always left it slightly (laughs) open. And it really got to me. Why? Just one more push, that's all it is. And I would say to her, just just one more push and it's shut. 
you say, well, I don't care whether it's shut or not. Yeah. So that's fine, isn't it, really? I ought to have been able to accept that. And I have now. I have absolutely Yes, you either it. have to accept it or you have to accept that you're going to have to shut it every time you see it. That's yeah. the thing. You can't change somebody else's behaviour. That's the difficult lesson, isn't it? It is a difficult lesson to learn, indeed. Oh, Lord, <laughs> plenty more to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How are we still um, learning? There must be a point when we stop. <laughs> well, I think you learn from other people. I think you w- learn by watching other people and going, do you know, that's a good idea. Why do I do that shit? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put the Casio watch in. Do you know, when you mention a digital watch, you sort of, is this an age thing I'm going to ask you, Harriet, mm-hmm. uh, that I think about digital watches as a thing that, that came along at a certain point and they weren't there when I was young. But in fact... I got my very first digital watch on my 12th birthday. Oh. So that's a long time ago, isn't it? Yeah. But it really was one of those ones you just press aside and it lit up with numbers rather than actually a clock. You know, so that's all it did. You press a button and up came the time in red lettering. Yeah, that sounds quite, that must be quite exciting, I guess, mm. kind of the, the first one. Because people have said to me, why don't you have the regular kind of, is it analogue? The, yeah. Uh, the time? Why don't you have that to take on stage? But uh, then I have to work out what time I went on stage to then work <laughs> out what the point is that I come off and the amount of time that I'm doing. And so that's never going to work, you know, so it, ha- it has to be digital. Lovely. Thank goodness they were invented. Okay, we're going to put that in there. You've always got one if you need one. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for whoever is near the time capsule three times a day. They're going to be like, why? <laughs> what? There's, there's an alarm. It's so there's, there's a noise coming from under the ground. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? <laughs> At least it's not someone saying, let me out. <laughs> exactly, yes. Well, we haven't got through all of my, uh, you never <laughs> my know. time capsule yeah, yet. That's true. Okay, so let's move on to number two. So number two, I was going to put in a um, medal that I got. I ran a half marathon. Wow. And, um, I just couldn't believe that I did it. I was always so bad at sport, at running. I um I once I was at school and they um there was like a swimming like the end of year swimming thing and um I took part in the that it was like graded like according to how good you were and I was in the bottom and then I I, I jumped in to take part because my name had been called and um, I had accidentally put myself in the top grade swimming um, race. <laughs> and it was so humiliating <laughs> because everybody finished so far ahead of me and I was swimming and it was one of those things where everyone was, they were so nice and everyone started chanting kind of, come on, Harriet. <laughs> but it, is, it is humiliating <laughs> in other words, as you're spluttering through the water, you know, and everyone has finished like so much ahead of you. And then they gave me like, um, they gave me like points, you know, for taking part um, because there'd been a mistake. Um, but it's just so humiliating. And then um, at sports day, you had to pick something and I didn't know what to do and no one was doing hurdles. So I was like, oh, I'll do hurdles. That seems fun. Every time I'd knock over every single hurdles, it was like, it was like dominoes. Like it was just absurd. Like, of course I shouldn't have been doing hurdles. You're just making things. I couldn't even run. It was making things more difficult, putting hurdles in the way. And so, um, so yeah, doing this half marathon, it was, um, it was quite a few years ago now, but it just, I just couldn't believe that I'd done it. Where was it? Where did you do it? It was the Royal Parks half Ah, marathon. And so it's lovely. Like the first half of it was really you kind of run past like Buckingham Palace and like along the water and the second half is in the park which is less exciting I will say it is a little bit more, a little bit more repetitive and I I didn't get a great time and I wasn't particularly good at it I kept I kept getting jammed in between 
these, uh, twice I got my face, people in front of me would stop very quickly and I got my face planted into somebody's sweaty back. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> that happened twice. I think I had to go to the toilet twice in it. Like it was, it was not a good time or anything anyone else would, um, <laughs> would be really proud of. But I just, I just couldn't believe that I'd done it. Yeah, I went to it this year because my daughter ran it. Oh, wow. Mm. Um, did she um, Did she enjoy it? No. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> okay, well, okay. Uh, she trained quite hard and then she had a bad chest cold just before it. So she was oh. feeling un- unwell, but she still ran it and she was going great. She said, I was running along, felt fantastic. And then she saw us on the route. Now, I'd been to about five different places at that point saying she'll be along in a minute. I can see her on the app. Here she comes. She's gone past us. We've lost her. Okay, (laughs) well, we move on to the next one. And so we would rush around London to different various points and wait for her. Finally, we saw her coming. And she, she was so pleased to see us that she stopped and talked to us for a moment. And then she carried on. She said, after that, it was hell. Because she oh. she stopped. Yeah, your body is like we liked that actually the bit where you were you mm-hmm. were still. Let's go back to that. Let's. Yeah. <laughs> but she did it. She did do it. She finished it. Yeah. I think I had many moments, um, but I also I also did I did find it very exciting. Um, I just quite liked it. Like I I haven't I. <laughs> I was running a bit and then I had a bad fall um, a couple of um, Christmases ago. I had a really pathetic fall, not very far um, <laughs> from where I live. Hmm. And uh, I uh, I went down and I grazed my knee. Like I oh. still have a scar from it. And then I went and sat on a, on a bench. Um, <laughs> it was just... It was just, it was just so pathetic, um, basically. But um, I need to get over my fear, you know, um, <laughs> get back to it. Well, it's not pathetic. I, you know, I wince and I feel terrible, even when I see a child fall over. Uh, yeah. I know when I was a child, you always had scraped knees and grazes everywhere because you were running and tripping. But you would have that particularly, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah I'm just covered. I'm covered in bruises, cuts, <laughs> and people are like, where did that come from? That looked terrible. I'm like, I have, I have no idea. I don't know. It doesn't even register. Well, that's nice. But one that makes you sit down and go, oh, my God, I'm not going to do this anymore. That's a nasty fall. Yeah, well, I think I think maybe sometimes you're just looking for an excuse, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Why not? (laughs) It's a long way. Half a marathon is is ridiculous. Running a marathon is madness. I watched a friend of mine do it around Paris, which was one of the nicest days I've ever spent. We just kept jumping on the metro and going to another place. And we did see him at every spot. But we basically, as he went by, we would be sitting in a cafe uh, to begin with, with coffee and croissant and eventually with a glass of wine. That's cruel, isn't it? Oh, that's the way to do a marathon. You've nailed the marathon. This is, I've been making a mistake by trying to take part in things. It's the the cafe culture around it. That's actually what I like, yeah. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Then you think, wow, look at those amazing people. Oh, they look tired. Oh, they look very, uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, just a simple glass. Thank you, (laughs) thank you, waiter. (laughs) That's it, that is what I want, yes. Yeah, I'm thinking of starting running again in order to get myself fit. <laughs> it's a wonderful living in that moment where you're so hopeful for who you are going to be. Like it's actually, <laughs> you kind of want to prolong it. You're like, well, I can really be a complete state for the next month. I can really revel in that because I know I'm going to be a different person. And then by the 3rd of January, everything falls apart. Not yeah. for you though, obviously. No, not for you and your not. running. No, no, no. Once I make my mind up about something, 
Yeah, that's the problem, making your mind up. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. No good at all. Uh, well, congratulations on running that half marathon. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I think it's right to put it in there to treasure it. Well done. Yeah, exactly, that I did it. Um, and then the third one I was going to put in... Okay, sorry to interrupt, but it's ad break time. I'll be back before you notice I'm gone. I've not gone yet. No, I'm going now. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. Did you notice I'd gone or had you drifted off and just stopped listening by then? Oh, well, let's get back to Harriet Kemsley and find out what else she'd like in her time capsule. And then the third one I was going to put in is, I mean, it is... It is related kind of in a way to um, uh, to sports, I guess. The one thing that I've um, have loved and that I feel good at is snowboarding. Um, oh. I uh, So I was going to put a snowboard in there, although maybe I should put a helmet because the helmet has <laughs> saved me a lot of times. So I feel like maybe I should put the helmet in. Um, but um, I there's something about having both your feet attached. Like I, I think with dyspraxia or something, my all my limbs move in different ways perhaps yeah. and having two of them attached at once i feel like i'm better at doing that than walking and um the feeling of being up in the mountains and uh snowboarding is just one of the best feelings for me that i could imagine mm. did you try skiing before that i did and so i did that and then when i was 11 i skied into the mountain yeah. um which is not what people usually think you're going to fall off the mountain but i skied straight into uh, <laughs> a very uh very big bit of uh mountain at top speed and so um i screwed up some of the ligaments in my knee right and nobody believed me and they made me ski the next day um and well <laughs> it all came on there when i was back on crutches when i got back to the uk um but uh it just it just never quite gelled for me and i i liked it but it just never quite worked and then because of that I started snowboarding and it just um oh I just I just love it have you ever been 
I have been snowboarding, yes, uh, just once. And unfortunately, I made the choice for my son's sake. My son was, again, about 12, I think, and he said I'd like to go skiing. And he'd never been snowboarding. So I said, well, we could fly to Scotland. So we did. Wow. It was very exciting. It was a lovely trip. It was a terrible flight. It was really awful. We were supposed to land in Glasgow. We landed in Edinburgh. Oh, dear. (laughs) It was really windy and horrible. So that was terrifying. Then we got a hire car and drove off into the night, into the mountains up towards Fort William. And again, that was terrifying because I thought, if this breaks down, we're dead. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we got there. The accommodation was uh, not the best. And then we went up the mountain at Fort William the next day and hired a snowboard, and I couldn't even stand. And you'd never done it before? You just I'd went straight to the top of the mountain and you were like... And, and, and <laughs> it, was, it was just ice. There'd been no snow for months. It was just really <gasps> compacted ice, and it was impossible. That's very impressive to do it without a lesson. I, I think the thing is with snowboarding, I think um, it takes longer to be able to be able to do it at a all right level where you can get down. Mm-hmm. But I think once you've got that, then it's easier. Whereas with skiing, you can kind of do it and get down kind mm. of quicker, but it takes longer to be like really good at it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Uh, I sort of assumed that my son would be able to do it because he was a very keen skateboarder. And yeah. yet it's not the same skill at all, is it? No, um, no. Well, I guess it is. It's the balance and stuff, but it is just a whole new technique. And if you're Mm. at the top of an icy mountain, it's very difficult to retain the confidence that you need, (laughs) I guess. Um, So that that definitely could have been one of the issues. Yes. Uh, Well, after about a day of doing this, we decided that it just wasn't going to work. And so both of us became slightly concerned that we had to fly back in about three days' time. We'd had such a horrible flight that I said to my son, do you want to drive home? And he said, yes, please. So so we just got in the car and set off. So we just slowly drove down through the country and it was lovely. That's quite an adventure, you know, like Mm. that's a, that's a pretty fun trip. Yeah. I think next time lessons uh, is a a very good idea. idea. Have somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. 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 At the same time, my wife took my daughter to a luxurious hotel in Brighton and they went shopping. I would have gone with them, mm-hmm. I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they made the better call there. I think I would have gone with them. <laughs> so do you go snowboarding often? Yeah, I uh, well, I um, it's hard to go too much, but I went this year with two guests actually that have been on your on your podcast. Right. Um, with um, I heard uh, Lou was talking about it. Lou Sanders was yeah. talking about when we went to Chamonix and um, Stuart Laws as oh, well. Lovely. We went um, in uh, in uh, April. Yeah, did, Stuart directed your thing, didn't he? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's great. Yes, she's um, brilliant. Yeah, he's very mm. impressive, a very impressive person. So that was um, that was very fun. Oh, lovely. Yes, Lou is is she's mad. She's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, in the best way. Strange enough, I bumped into her at the half marathon. Oh, really? She was there to watch uh, Annie McGrath. Oh, Annie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, oh my goodness. Small it's world, all, isn't it? Circles small world, circles. this is coming together. Yeah, <laughs> lovely. All right, snowboarding goes in. That's number three. That's number three. And then the final thing I'll put in there, I was like, okay, I, ca- I can't put in my baby. So that's that's not an option. So yeah. um, <laughs> I can't put in my dog. So I'm going to put in a pizza express. <laughs> <laughs> the whole building. The whole building of pizza express. Because you yeah. need the smell, you need the thing, you need the ambience. Um, I just really love a pizza express. It's become a, a, a bit of a 
a running theme <laughs> with people that I know. But um, I guess I just started going there when I was quite young. You go kind of, I went after I got my ears pierced and uh, for birthday parties. And uh, it's just always the same, no matter where you are in the in mm-hmm. the country. And so when I'm touring or whatever, it's really nice to go back there. And I think when I was younger, I um, I was uh, quite fussy about eating. And so, uh, and the margarita pizzas there were just... Perfect. Yeah, I like those ones where they have the salad in the middle. It, what are they called? I like those as well. What are they called? Um, well, I, I can't have salads. Yes, yeah, so I've I've asked for them to take away the salad, ah. and then they're like, "This is <laughs> this doesn't make any sense." Oh right, yes, you're allergic to various fruits and vegetables. I'm aren't very you? awkward. Yes, I'm. So I'm allergic to raw fruits and raw vegetables, and then I'm also a vegetarian, which is uh, oh, by wow. choice. Um, and uh, when I was younger, I was also just fussy. So it was um, <laughs> just just going anywhere. I'd like I'd be having chips or rice or just anything plain. And so having a margarita pizza was uh, <laughs> was pretty uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, quite exotic. Yes. Uh, I think I discovered pizzas in my late 20s, maybe 30s. Up until that point, a pizza was a horrible thing. I'd been to Italy, but I don't think I'd really eaten pizza there because I thought I don't really like pizza. And then a little Italian pizza shop opened at the bottom of my road and this slightly mad Italian who for years had stood in an alleyway in Germany, throwing pizzas in the air, trying to attract people into the pizza shop that he worked in, had opened his own place, a tiny, tiny little place. You had to squeeze in. I think it had three tables around a pizza oven. And he cooked the most fantastic pizzas. Yeah. And I fell in love with pizzas. But of that type, I don't. I still don't like the thick ones. So actually, no. Pizza Express works for me. Okay. I think the, yeah, the thicker ones are the more kind of American ones, aren't they? Mm. The kind of Chicago deep dish. Um, yeah. Although I'd, maybe if we were to have one in Chicago, I bet they would be good. You're probably right. Everything in its place. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there's something just exciting about a pizza, isn't it? The fact they're throwing it in the air, like where else, you know, are you? It's like pancake day or something. It's like, <laughs> it adds a certain, uh, a certain fun to it. But yeah, is it still open, that restaurant? Sadly, no. It's gone. He stopped paying his tax, I think. Oh, dear. <laughs> you know, <how> to, <laughs> okay. Did a runner. But <laughs> Quite dramatic. Yeah. But um, I had many, many happy times there. I once had a Christmas lunch at this restaurant. They closed the whole restaurant and I took my parents and my parents-in-law and both sides of the family. So there were about 15 of us there. And we had an Italian Christmas lunch. It went on for hours and hours. It was absolutely fantastic. Wow. So they didn't do, so it was, it was on Christmas day. Christmas day. They opened the restaurant specifically for us. Isn't that amazing? Wow. So you, it was just you guys in the restaurant. Yeah. And then as they cooked them, they then sat down and had Christmas lunch with us. Oh, I think that's really, that's really nice. We're um, going out for Christmas lunch um, this year because um, my family is coming to London um, to me and um it just was assumed we'd go out for lunch because no one trusted me <laughs> to, cook the, <laughs> to cook the food. So like, where should we book? Um, but um, but I think it, I think it's going to be quite nice. It's going to be very, um, like, stress-free and quite relaxed, you know, not having to worry about cooking. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's expensive. Yeah. Yeah, there was a period where I didn't care. <laughs> I was making enough. And that may be true again with my time in Wicked. Yeah. But maybe next Christmas I'll say to everyone, come on, let's all just go out to lunch. Anything you like. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's a nice idea. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. In 2025, yeah. <laughs> when I'm free. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll book a Pizza Express for them. There we go, yeah. <laughs> are, are you not so fussy about pizzas now, or do you still have a margarita? Um, no, I do quite like a padana, which is like, um, it's like goat's cheese with um, caramelised onion. It's it's really good. So I've really, um, I've really <laughs> gone up in the world. Yes. I feel say very sophisticated taste these days, yes. <laughs> but so awkward being allergic to fresh fruit and fresh vegetables. It's so silly. I mean, I think it's not, it's not really that bad. It's just, um, and I can tell very quickly when it's a reaction. It's just, um, it just would be, I just aspire to be somebody that could eat a salad like I just think it would it's just to me so <laughs> glamorous just people eating a salad and so easy um and um yeah that's just um that's just not on the cards if things are cooked then it's absolutely fine um it's just if they're raw it's it's very odd oh how annoying <laughs> well I love a pizza express uh yes I've, I'm gonna put the one in Tunbridge Wells for you Okay, love. I bet that's a nice it one. It is a nice one. It's in a beautiful old building. You know, like uh, all the buildings used to be banks and they're now restaurants. Yes. It's one of those. It's a beautiful old Lloyd's Bank building. That's great. They're either a Weatherspoons or a Pizza Express. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did well. Okay, that goes in there for you, the whole building. <laughs> great. So the last thing you have to put in is something you'd like to bury and forget. Well, I guess it's kind of, this is more a, a concept, I guess, mm -hmm. but I guess if we've got a whole Pizza Express in a time capsule, then we don't need to um, uh, worry about it. Uh, one of the things that I don't know what it is, maybe you can help me understand this. I get so annoyed when people try and tell me things. If if somebody tries to explain something to me when I haven't asked them to, mm -hmm. I get so cross and it, my brain automatically switches off and so I won't listen and so it's completely pointless and I can waste half an hour in that state of somebody <laughs> trying to tell me something and me just purposefully not listening because I, I, I don't want to be told um, and I think because I am um, I am a bit scatty maybe and uh, make mistakes that people are like oh she needs us to tell her things and then my, my body reacts by refusing to, yeah. <laughs> to listen to them. It doesn't seem unfair to me. I think it's a fair argument to say, look, if I'd wanted to know this, I would have found it out. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'll find it out myself or I will, or I will ask and then you could give a, a brief response, <laughs> key brief, <laughs> brief response, uh, and, then, uh, and then we'll get to the bottom of it. But, uh, but yeah, just the kind of the, the whole rigmarole of sometimes I think people just say, you can feel them kind of getting pleased with themselves as they're they're telling you what to do, and it just my mum has the same thing actually, where she also <laughs> she also just completely switches off if someone tries to tries to tell her something. I think it probably is something that um, we should work on that would be useful in life because sometimes you do go away and you think, oh, that was probably very key information that I need, <laughs> that I needed to learn there. Maybe, maybe, but you know, you can always argue. Look, I do what I'm good at. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. And I do it well. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to be successful at it. And then when I need those things done, I'll hire someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think also I have a slightly odd way of doing things sometimes. Like I will do things and it will be in a big circle around doing it that is not the way that people would um, expect or want. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, But that's, that's my way and that's how it, it makes sense to me. I think that in life that's more the case than people realise. 
I think everybody thinks everybody's doing things the same. But in fact, we all find our own way of doing stuff and we just get to the same conclusion. That's true of mathematics. I've spoken to people about maths. How do you think about numbers? How do you see them in your head? And people go, what are you talking about? And I said, do you not see the numbers in your head and then move them around and, and go, oh, that goes... Yes, I, I see numbers. That's so interesting. Yeah, I do. I look at it and I immediately can see all these numbers and, and then say, oh, I see, I see. Yeah, but I can take away noughts. And it's almost as if it's on a, on a board in front of me and I'm controlling it. Yeah. But other people say, I don't think of it that way at all. I don't even visualise the numbers in my head at all. It's so interesting. Like my my dad loves um loves maths, and mm. I was always like, oh god, you know. <laughs> and then uh, one one day he was like, the thing is, I see real beauty in patterns and in numbers, and that really just clicked for me because that's I guess how I see it. If I I write a joke that works, or there's like a um a line in something that I love, uh, it, that that's the same. I find that beautiful. Yeah, and music is is terribly mathematical. I think it, I think it's what mm. you love about it is you is it makes sense. Is it sort of adds up in a way. Yeah. And like maths, it can suddenly surprise you. You think, I didn't expect that to happen. So you think maths can surprise you? Yeah. There's a book called Fermat's Last Theorem, written by Simon Singh, I think. It basically describes a mathematical genius who everybody said was the greatest mathematical mind in the world when he was about 21. And he went to Cambridge and then he sort of disappeared and for years, people went, what's he doing? They said, I don't really know what he's doing. And then one day he called together all these extraordinary mathematicians from all around the world and wrote down the answer. And it took him, I think, about three days to write this answer down on a board to Fermat's last theorem. I might have seen a play about this. Yeah, it's astonishingly moving. I'd recommend it. Have a read of it. It's beautiful. I might, yeah. I might send it to you. I'm completely with you on the fact that people should be sensitive to when people want to know something and, and, <laughs> and behave themselves. <laughs> we don't need these gurus in our life. Yeah, no more gurus. Thank you. I'll, I'll find my own guru. Yeah, yeah exactly. Lovely. Okay, I'm going to put that in there, bury it. And whenever it starts now, it'll just go quiet. Your mouths will be moving. <laughs> I can't hear anything. Can't hear anything. This is perfect. That's the dream. I'm just thinking my own thoughts. I'm just away. No, not having to block out anybody. That's the. That's perfect. <laughs> lovely, Harriet. Thank you very much for telling me the things you want to put in a time capsule. It's been lovely to meet you and to talk to you. It's been so lovely to meet you. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to my time capsule with me, Mike Fenton Stevens, and my guest. Harriet Kemsley. Thanks for sticking with us. If you had fun, then do rate or review us on the podcast provider you prefer to use, and then click on subscribe so we can let you know whenever there's a new episode. Quite often as it happens, my time capsule and I are both on social media, that's X, formerly known as Worth Joining, Instagram, still not got the hang of that, it must be my age, Facebook, which some people love and I find too busy, and Threads, which still needs to be put together to make a decent bit of cloth. Still, you can find us there so do follow us and say hello the theme tune was written by the gorgeously named pass the peas music and is available in its entirety on spotify if you find the ads annoying then you can get this podcast ad free by subscribing to acast plus where you also get a bonus podcast every week it's just 2.99 a month 
That's less than 40p an episode. Check it out in the description. This was a cast-off production, which sounds a bit like we threw it away, but actually we cast it in your direction. Well held. It was made through Acast and produced by John Fenton Stevens. Right, I'm off to eat some little bits of metal. It's my staple diet. Oh, come on, don't give up on me yet. 2024 has only just started. I've got loads more jokes to come this year, and surely one of them's bound to make you laugh. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.